Welcome to Walking with Freya, a journey through special needs parenting. This podcast is a place for parents and caregivers of children with special needs to share stories, the very real struggles and challenges we face, along with the inevitable love and joy these children have brought into our lives. This is a place for unapologetic honesty, well-intentioned laughter, and endless support. A safe place for us to learn, share, discuss, and help each other navigate this often unexpected journey. Be kind, be supportive, and when you can, keep the humor. My name is Annie, and welcome to Walking with Freya. Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome back to Walking with Freya. I know it's been a while since I put out an episode, but I'm really excited to share this one with you. Uh, I had a conversation with a new friend of mine, and I really enjoyed getting to know her and hearing her words of wisdom, and I'm happy to share them with you. So this conversation is with my friend Hollis. Last February, her daughter was diagnosed with 22 learning disabilities. We talked about the pitfalls of testing, getting services, IEPs, curriculum, and teaching styles, providing our kids with positive internal dialogue, and Hollis offers sage advice for challenging times. Of course, I weave in some stories of my own into our talk as per usual. But before we get into it, I'd like to mention to all of you listening before Mother's Day, I will be facilitating an online workshop called Poetry of Birth. Now, this is not necessarily for poets. Uh, You do not have to identify as a poet to participate. Um, Poets are, of course, welcome. But this workshop is for mothers. And it is this Friday, May 12th, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, Uh, fill in, do the math for the time zones in between, please. Um, (laughs) It's on Zoom, and I'll read you the description. Birth is an incredibly stunning, mind-blowing experience. Birth can also feel tragic and incite feelings of trauma. This is perhaps especially true in the disability and special needs community. When we tell and retell our stories, connecting with other women and their experiences, We can relive those moments of joy and begin to mend those tears that the fear, pain, exhaustion, and disappointments caused. When we write our birth stories as poems, choosing lyrical devices, metaphors, and rhythms, make note of the simple beauty, find gratitude in the details, and tiptoe to a new perspective or smash into a stunning realization, we can create art from our experiences our traumas, and our joys, and settle into the gratitude of our child's birth. So please join me for this hour-long exploration of poetry and birth, no previous experience necessary. We will start the workshop uh, with just a little discussion, uh, maybe a poem, and I will have some fun exercises to kind of get the juices flowing, and then we'll have some writing time, and we'll share And this is meant to be a place to honor the joys of birth, but also offer a way to explore perhaps some difficult feelings around birth. I have three daughters, all three had very different births. Uh, The first was, you know, the beautiful, perfect home birth in the backyard. And the second one with Freya was um, 
a non-emergency, that's air quotes around that, non-emergency cesarean. And if you've listened to this podcast before, you've heard that story. But, you know, so there was a lot of adjustment, a lot of healing that had to come from that because that was not the birth that I expected. So that is, you know, one part of my intention is to offer a place and a practice for women to explore those feelings and to look at the beautiful side of birth as well, because I think, you know, it's all wrapped up. It's all wrapped up together. So if you're interested in that workshop, you can go on the website, www. I think you still have to do that uh, to find this one. www.breathe-community.com and go to the courses page and it'll, the, it'll be up there. It's 10 bucks. Um, and that helps to pay for the zoom subscription and, um, you know, just, um, for the website, things like that. And if it's past mother's day, then, uh, please check out the website anyway, because you may find something that interests you. There are other courses on there and there will be some other pop-up workshops and there's a growing list of resource links, free content and all thing, all kinds of things. And, um, also, uh, sign up for the email list. If you're interested, I promise I do not inundate anyone with emails. In fact, I probably don't email enough. If I had a business manager, um, they would probably tell me that. <laughs> but anyway, I don't like to inundate uh, inboxes. So um, it's it's a safe email list to sign up for. Anyway, so there's that. Uh, but for now, let's get into my conversation with Hollis. And if anything at all for you feels heavy at the moment, uh, I'm, a- I'm going to ask you to try and take a deep breath and for the next 30 or 40 minutes, try and take Hollis's advice and let that shit go. Thanks for being here. Okay, so my name is Hollis and... I am from Albuquerque, New Mexico. I have a 17-year-old son and a seven-year-old daughter. Um, When I had my son, uh, everything was normal. Um, He actually excelled and um, was gifted math. um, Very, like, didn't have to help him with his homework. You know, like, he just got it. And then when I had my daughter, um, she started having these huge, huge meltdowns at the age of two. And it was like very devastating because to see your child not uh, being able to communicate um, what they're feeling and not having those words to express what they're feeling, it was a a huge alarm for me. And um, so she didn't have like a huge diagnosis at that time. I took her into the pediatrician and uh, they recommended her to a program called Altamira and it's an amazing program. And they started doing speech. They would go to her daycare and started incorporating speech in her daily routine. And just um, recently, this past February, she got diagnosed with 22 learning disabilities. So which uh specific ones i'm not sure but she has issues with um retaining information uh one of the biggest ones were uh ability to retain long-term and short-term memory so that was um i i I see that you know that's something that's very visible you know like i can tell her to do something or we can talk about something over and over and she's still asking 
um, about about what we had just talked about. And then she also has um, deal. She deals with uh, she was tongue tied when she was younger. I don't know if you know what that is. Yeah, so, that's like where it's kind of attached at the underneath. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the bottom of her tongue, it was really that that little part that is connected from the bottom of your mouth up to the tip of your tongue. Well, hers, when she would stick her tongue out, it would actually like look like a heart coming out because that it was so tight that it would pull it into like the heart shaped um, tongue. And I noticed that when she was first born, she was um, she when she would cry, she would stick her tongue out, and she would have it looked like a heart shape coming out. And I was like, oh wow, that's weird. You know, I just I didn't think anything of it. So she ended up having that um, that severed. And I thought that was going to be like the the end all, fix all, you know, like she was going to be fine after that. And it had, uh, it gave her more, more range of motion. But at that time, I didn't know that she had so many other learning disabilities. So um, she did fine through the surgery. They just, they take this laser and they slice it and it's like open it's really weird and she she does have a possibility of needing to undergo that again and um so when covid hit um they completely shut down new mexico like there was no school at all so i had to do online with her and that's when i really saw um her delays within the classroom and it was uh very frustrating and her kindergarten uh they do the testing and she was just, she like wasn't even on like close to being where she was supposed to be at for her age. So they would do the testing and they had her doing testing on the computer and they were like, you can't help at all, which I don't necessarily agree with because if a child has learning disabilities, you know, they should be able to have some type of direction you know, to really gauge like where they're at because just because they can't answer the question doesn't mean that they wouldn't be able to without prompts, you know? Mm -hmm. So I kind of feel like our system is not necessarily the best as far as the way the testing goes. Even the teachers will tell you like the the way that they test these children, especially on a computer, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's it's, they're either going to know it or they're not. And, right. and and a lot of the times uh, she wouldn't know something and she would just get frustrated and just start clicking on any answer. Like she wouldn't listen to the question. So I don't really know that I get like the the real react, the, like the true reading of where she's at. So it's just kind of like being at the mercy of the school system. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, the, the testing is definitely... Uh the testing is being geared towards one specific kind of learning. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I get what you're saying about the not being able to prompt. I mean, I feel that like anytime we go like to the, even to like the eye doctor and they're trying to go through all this stuff and they just go so fast that I want to, and I have to say like, I need you, you need to slow down. Like, cause she might be able to see it. You just got to give her a second to understand what you're asking her. And mm-hmm. so there's a lot of situations where it's just like, you know, just got to have yeah, more patience. They, they, flagged her, they flagged one of her eye tests. Uh, she went in for her wild, wild, wild care. Wow. <laughs> for her, for her, um, her wild child care checkup or the yearly checkup. 
and they didn't explain to her what the pictures were. So they flagged her as having visual issues, but I don't think that was the case. I was, I think it's because she didn't know that, that there was like a ship or a star, you know, like mm-hmm. she didn't understand like how she was supposed to articulate that. So I definitely, I do, I see that just connection consistently. Well, and my, uh, now they're doing this state testing this week and um, you know, with Freya, she does have accommodations. Like she gets more time. She gets uh, to, you know, I, I think wear headphones and have things explained to her or read to her or something. But I just don't even, I do look the scores. I don't say I don't look at them, but I, I look at the scores and then I throw them away and I don't show them to her. Yeah. But I, but then I also, I show my other daughter cause she does really well. And so even right. though I'm not, you know, I'm not a huge fan of those tests, but like, it makes her feel good to see that she did well. So I show her privately. And (laughs) so it's like, you know, different, uh, different reactions for different kids, I guess. Yeah. I had a a parent teacher conference uh, recently with her teacher and she was telling me, yeah, you know, she, she fidgets a lot and she'll be messing around with her stuff in her desk and, you know, she just, she doesn't remain focused and she was trying to, it almost seemed like she was trying to say like, it was like a behavioral issue. And so I just, I thought that listened to her and she just really great. Don't get me wrong, you know, but I, um, so she said her whole spiel and then I, and then I looked at her and I was like, so do you think that's because she's, she's not at that level, you know, and she doesn't understand. So she, you know, cause I, I watched her shut down during COVID and she was like oh yeah yeah you know like I just I I feel like the the system it's just so rigid you know and it, and it's not behavioral issues like my daughter is very respectful and she pays attention and you know I, I feel like she has um I feel like she has some auditory autism and I've expressed this since she was really little and they test her hearing and they're like oh she's fine but like being in large crowds, she gets very overwhelmed. Um, I got these ear loops that I use um, for you. You can put them in and you can still hear in there for uh, if you have like anxiety. Mm-hmm. And um, they uh, they just kind of like drowned out like the background noise. And I let her wear them the other night when we went to go out to dinner because we went to um, Texas Roadhouse and it's really busy and loud all like, always. Mm-hmm. and seeing her the her behavior change it was night and day because usually she's like I think I think she gets like flustered so she like she's like on top of you and you know acting out and I just was like wow you know like I still after all these years feel like when is this going to be addressed you know like mm-hmm. just testing her hearing and saying oh she's fine well I see other instances, you know, I brought stuff up like this, even at a young age, playing loud music in the car, she's like not having it. She is like turn that down, like it just it frazzled her. Mm-hmm. So hopefully one day they will do some type of because I, I want I want to know like I don't necessarily call them disabilities, but I want her to be aware of the challenges that she faces in society. So that way she's prepared when she becomes an adult. 
you know, and she has like the proper tools to be able to handle the different situations that she's in. So I ended up, I ended up ordering her some of those and she's really excited. Uh, I got her some little pink ones and any parent that has like a child with, with a heightened sense of like auditory issues, I highly recommend even an adult, like when I'm in a like really large type setting and I get really like overstimulated, I pop those in and it's just, relax like <laughs> it's not amazing hear. yeah maybe you can uh maybe send me like a little link or like the yeah, name absolutely. of it or something because they do sound mm-hmm. amazing so does she have like a like sensory processing disorder are they have they said anything like that um gosh I, just it's a I, I mean I imagine with the list of 22 it's a <laughs> you can't remember them all yeah, you know, they had her on articulation for a long time and um, just recently said she's doing very well in her articulation. Um, as far as sensory processing, I'm not sure. You know, I, I feel like I feel like um, I see that she does, but whenever she goes like to do her testing and stuff, I don't know how they test, you know, mm-hmm. so. I don't know that she's necessarily been diagnosed with a sensory processing dis- disorder, but I think that she has some type that maybe they don't test for until she's older. I don't know how the process works, honestly. So um, I think like with her not being able to function within like a large setting, I often wonder when she's at school if that is an issue and if there was ways around that. Um, if that would help her but I mean she's she's in a classroom with 20 other 19 other kids so Mm -hmm. how do you really do that (laughs) yeah well and I wonder as you said um because she's seven so what she was like three or four when COVID started like that's Mm -hmm. I wonder um did you notice anything that perhaps changed like do you think that affected any of these diagnoses like you know having this big worldly traumatic event happen at such a young age I'm you know I think that affected a lot of kids yeah I don't I don't know you know I often wonder like how that how that it did affect her because when you're a child you go to preschool or school and you get that interaction and you learn from other other children so it was just her and, and me during COVID. Her brother was staying with his dad and his dad was working. So we didn't really see him. But when we would go over and talk on the phone, with the windows closed, you know, so it was a very isolating time. But she did get to interact with kids on the computer screen. But it's very different, you know, mm-hmm. because, you know, only one child can talk at one time, you know, like it just she didn't have that interaction. But she had been in daycare since she was a year old. So, you know, I think these issues have always been there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think maybe there's a better way to teach children that have a different way of learning. Like, for instance, she wrote she wrote a sentence out one time using her phone. She was Googling. She was speaking into the phone. And it would pull up the words and show her how to write it. And she wrote a whole sentence. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. 
you know, and I told her teacher about that and she's like, oh, maybe we can incorporate something like that. But again, you know, I don't know how that goes with technology and if they have the time to let her do that because I haven't heard a mention of it since. Mm. So I think it's just, this is the way that they have to do it. So that, you know, those are the rules that they have to follow within the public school system. So I'm not yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of red tape in there, um, mm-hmm. but that's what IEPs are for. So I, I assume she has an IEP now. Or if she, does, she does. Yeah, yeah but um, that was after we had done her IEP. So she gets like the, the extra time. Uh, she gets a lot of one-on-one help. Um, she doesn't she doesn't have the behavioral issues that she was when she was younger. So that's good. You know, I know a lot of children that have disabilities that can become a huge contributing factor, you know, but I don't think she really knows that she has such a significant amount of disability, learning disabilities. I've never told her and she's never asked, you know, and I talked to her first grade teacher. She was actually an SLP for years, you know, and so we had a lot of talks. Like I, I was just devastated, you know, to see her with other children and seeing how they would advance. And she was just like, even now she's in second grade and she's approaching kindergarten in areas, mm-hmm. you know, so she's like fairly delayed. And, um, I tell, I talked to her and, and she was a godsend because, you know, I felt like it was my fault. You know, I was like, what did I do? You know, mm-hmm. and, she was the one that was like you know Hollis like our system our school system is not where it's supposed to be and just because your daughter has these you know like she's the one that pointed out our school system only teaches one certain way mm-hmm. and so how do you really know if this if these are really you know quote unquote learning disabilities or if she just learns a certain way and that's how she needs to be taught so that's uh yeah. Yeah, that's a really common uh I will say it's a common um feeling, you know, what did I do? Is this my fault? I mean, you know, I did that. I had all I had a whole list of things I did wrong mm-hmm. uh, you know, before we got a diagnosis with Freya. And then even after that, it was like, well, cuz it's genetic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so it was like, well, I, you know, I did, I painted a room before I knew I was pregnant. Like it was that, you know, so (laughs) yeah. One of the, one of the things I'm really grateful for is that we have a public Waldorf charter school here. So Waldorf schools can tend to be very expensive, but it's a public charter school. So it's free. Um, Mm -hmm. And we got in and I really, um, you know, there are some drawbacks to a charter school, uh, with funding and services in some ways, although I still am confused about that. But the teaching style is more appropriate, I think, for someone like Freya. So I'm really grateful for that. And yeah, I looked I looked into that. Um because I'm like I was like, I'll pay the money, you know, to put her in a private school or whatnot. But like you said, the funding is so different. They don't offer special mm. education. You know, it's just the one certain way. So I was definitely, you know, like, what do you do? And I, but, you know, I had, um, I had people say, oh, well, just get her into a program, you know? And so I would look for different programs 
to get her into. And it was starting at like $75 an hour, you know, and her insurance, her medical insurance wouldn't cover that. And I was just like, this is impossible. You know, how are you supposed to get your kids out of extra health? And that was the cheapest I found. Yeah. The prices were insane. Like some of them were like at 275 an hour. And I was like, wow, like wow. how is that? Yeah. So looking for those resources, you know, you kind of feel like you're just you're at the mercy of the education system. Yeah. And I want I'd love for there to be, and maybe there is, and I don't know about it, but that's kind of one of the things I was trying to do with Breathe with that website is like have like this comprehensive information of all of this stuff, like, you know, with schools and, and what the legalities are. And, you know, I just had a conversation yesterday with a mom whose kids are getting services through the regional center and their kids don't need services like my kid, you know? And so I'm like, what's the difference? And she's like, well, if you do this and then you do that. And, you know, she had this information that why don't I have that information? Yeah. My daughter's 11. She's been diagnosed since three and a half months. Like, right. <laughs> how did I not know this stuff? Yeah. She's getting yeah. respite uh, for one of her kids for like 16 hours a week or something. Yeah. And just, that's just yeah. insane to me. That's all. Yeah, like, I, how do I get that? <laughs> <laughs> I know I had a, I had one of my girlfriends, she was like apply for um, social security for her and see if you can get funding to pay for her services well because i had a savings of over two thousand dollars i got denied i'm oh, like what wow like how do you get denied that's what that's one car issue account. yeah i'm like you're not supposed <laughs> to have a savings like what wow. if you know life happens so that wasn't an option for me either um but yeah that respite her my girlfriend she gets that mm. for her daughter but I don't know how that goes with children with learning with learning disabilities, you know, like I don't even know. I haven't mm-hmm. even looked into that realm, you know. Dealing with an IEP is stressful enough, you yeah. know, because you go into these meetings with like four or five people and they're just telling you like everything that's wrong with your child and mm-hmm. what they're what they're uh facing and you know it's they, they, I mean, they point out like the good things, but you know, as as a parent, you only hear the the bad, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, when she was when she was uh, first in kindergarten, I requested her to be tested again because she, I had noticed um, this is well, this is but this is pre um, kindergarten. She's going to pre K. And I had requested um, her to be retested, and the lady told me, "No, you can't retest her until until uh, her three year mark." Well, this when she started school this year, I found out that's not the case. You know, I could have had her retested. She probably could have been farther than where she's at now. Like that was like that still it really upsets me to this day because I'm like, if she could have gotten that extra help when she was like four. You know, would that have propelled her? You know, but again, and the teachers are like, I'm so sorry. I can't believe someone would even tell you that. You know, like mm. that's your right as a parent. So I'm still learning. I'm learning with each IEP, like how it goes. You know, and it's, uh, it's, it, I, her dad doesn't attend any of them. You know, he's never been a part of her, her, um, school. 
So it's just, um, it's something that I, I basically have to deal with on my own. He's aware of, of, of the issues, but he doesn't participate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, just being able to, um, look at the positive in these things, it's, it's been a, a very big challenge. Definitely. But, you know, I look at her and I'm like, these disabilities mean nothing at the end of the day. You know, there's so many successful people out there in life that have more severe disabilities than she does, you know, that have just, mm-hmm. just excelled like to the top, you know. So I try to, I try to remain focused on that, you know, just not always a bad thing. You know, right. it's, it might be a blessing in disguise that I don't know about. And I'm not going to know until later you know, why this is. It's a beautiful way to look at it. Mm-hmm. I, like that. Well, I mean, I can look at it the other way, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did that for a long time and it wasn't helping, helping my mental health out. Mm-hmm. And so let me ask you this, what, what were your challenges with Freya as far as like your your mental health because I know that really affected mine and it's still you know it is it's a challenge you know to remain positive all the time or mm-hmm. you know think that there's going to be a really good outcome regardless yeah well um I mean I knew <clears throat> pretty much from the start with Freya and so <clears throat> you know, somebody told me or numerous people told me in the beginning that the first few months are the hardest. And back then I was like, I I don't, you know, back then she was like this four, five month old little baby. And I was like, how can this be the hardest? Like, but it, in a, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> in a way it was because, you know, I was grappling with this, you know, with accepting this new reality and, you know, it was hard and now it's hard at different times for different reasons, but there is an acceptance that I came to a long time ago and I've learned how to spin some things, uh, you know, like, um, they say, you know, people with PWS, uh, will not, do not live successful, independent lives. So we will always be her caretakers, her guardians. And sometimes that's a really overwhelming uh thought but you know then I just always picture like you know she loves to puzzle she loves to drink tea you know and so I always picture like you know quiet mornings sitting there drinking tea and puzzling how sweet that is and and going traveling with her and you know she's just a really sweet companion so I think about that I'm like well so I just kind of learned how to put a spin on some things uh you know but like things still come up I did a field trip recently and it was a three-day field trip with her class. We went to the Greek Olympics. That's a Waldorf school. So we met with other Waldorf schools and they compete uh, in these Greek Olympics. It's really cool. That's so awesome. But, um, you know, we did like camping. And so there was 
Like the girl drama was just so dumb. I, I've never I wanted a son more in my life. <laughs> it was like one girl's crying over there, one's isolating over there. Oh. Like they're just melting down and the boys are playing football. And I was like, yes. what is happening right now? <laughs> and then Freya's having her own stuff. And, uh, you know, I realized with Freya, she was having a lot of anxiety thinking about getting a new teacher the next year. And so, and then mm-hmm. feeling left out and things like that. And then also she was really tired and when she's tired and she gets tired easily, and when she gets tired, her emotional capacity is just, it's like, it's like a, um, it's just like our herd of ducks just run. I don't know. That doesn't make sense at all. That's not a good metaphor. It's just chaos <laughs> is what it is. There's no controlling <laughs> that um and then we went on this hike into the woods and we were you know like maybe a mile in I don't know and then she was just like done and the class was waiting for her and I was like just go just go just leave us please (laughs) and um anyway I finally got her you know moving and calmed down but there was just a lot of tears it was really emotionally exhausting and then the next day we get to the Greek Olympics and I'm having some anxiety because you know, like there's running and they're supposed to be in other teams with other students. And like, they were going to do a relay race. That's what I was worried about. Cause I was like, God, I hope they don't put her in a group of kids that really want to win because she's, she's not going to be able to, she, you know, she can run, you know, she'll probably walk, she'll get tired. And these kids don't know her and they don't know, you know, Mm -hmm. so I was having anxiety about that. And then um, one of the teachers asked me if the movement teacher had talked to me about Freya throwing the javelin and how maybe she shouldn't do it. And I was like, well, why? But I didn't know she didn't tell me why should she not throw the javelin? And she was like, oh, I don't know. That's all. That's all I know. So then I was just like, what does that mean? Happen? What's wrong with this? And then, <laughs> and then she said, well, they usually ask us if we have anybody with special needs in our group. And I just started bawling. Like I was just yeah. du- like, I, I hit my limit and I, it just, everything felt so unfair in that moment. And I was just yeah. like in this field of, of people, I didn't know most of them. And I just felt like the only one there mm-hmm. um, with a kid with special needs. And I was so sad for Freya and I was just, oh, I was just spent. I was done. And so, but like the show must go on, you know, we're still, yeah. we're putting up pop-up tents and like organizing everything. And I'm tears are just streaming down my face. I'm like, I've, I've lost control. Like I need 10 minutes by myself, but I couldn't, I couldn't have 10 minutes because it was about to start. The race was about to start. Yeah. And I was on that field trip for Freya. Like I go as a chaperone, but I'm really there as Freya's aide. Mm-hmm. And so, anyway, so it's just, sorry, that's a long story, but um, most days are not like that. Most yeah. days are not like that. And then it ended up being a beautiful day. I was really impressed with Freya. When we got to the javelin part, I just kept telling her, just throw straight. Because I, I had no idea what they were worried about. I was like, does she throw off to the side? Like, this looks really dangerous. I was like, Freya, just whatever you do, throw it straight. <laughs> and she did that. <laughs> was your daughter the only one there with that syndrome? Yes. In her school? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Cause it's not a, it's not a, um, it's a rare disorder. Rare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One in yeah. 15 to one in 25,000 is what they say. One in 15,000. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so that's a really long way of answering your question of, and just saying, you know, most days are pretty good. Some days are really hard. 
Yeah, I know. Celisa, so. Celisa, uh, she read her a book for the first time recently, a whole book, a whole Dr. Seuss book by herself. Nice. She a, little, a little bit of help, but you know, I was so excited and encouraged. And you know, I I approached her teacher and I was like, "Do you think she should do start doing some homework at school because she doesn't do any homework at school?" Um, and she was like, "No." Shit, that's just too much and I was devastated because like I want to help her in any way that I can you know but they're like no don't overwhelm her you know don't don't get the night to be and I get it because when she was in online school even with her disability the curriculum was insane like she we were up to like eight o'clock at night doing her homework and she was in tears and I got to the point where I was like you know what fuck this and fuck you guys like I'm not yeah. paying this shit in like this is not fair to my child. Like that's insane. Yeah, and the, the 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 school would be like, well, this is our protocol, and we can like not we can have, there's like a few things that we could just have her not do. And I was like, no, um, she's not turning all this stuff in. I don't care what you say. Like, you, this is I'm making the executive decision as her mom. You know that this is not beneficial. This is stressing her out to the point of tears you know why you know why <laughs> yeah there's no so, reason for that yeah well when I saw her excelling you know I was like oh my god like she's well on her way she's gonna be better or she's gonna you know beat this I guess <laughs> but when her teacher told me no you know I was just like why wouldn't you want her to do extra but then I think back to that and I'm like oh if you need to be realistic you know because you can why force something that's going to come and might not come as soon as you like, you know? Because, like, when she's hanging out with kids, you know, it, it's frustrating because I can see her verbal, uh, her verbal, um, the, she can't, she doesn't really comprehend conversations. She doesn't understand. Her sentences don't come out like you and me, you know, like, it, and it's, it's just, it's, it's frustrating because you see other children, you know, just having a good time and holding conversations with other children. And I'm just like, at what point is she going to get bullied or teased for this? That's, I think that's one of my biggest fears with this, you know, because when you get older and she's a girl, oh my God, the drama. The girls, you have no idea. <laughs> Or you do, but <laughs> my my daughter like is right in there. She loves the drama. I don't know, <laughs> mm. but she's like, "Mom, we had a disagreement and we worked it out, so we're we're better now." You know, oh, good. <laughs> so her, you know, and like you you make sure that you worry about the light you carry within you, and you stay true to yourself, and remember that you're perfect just the way you are. You know, and people are going to act a certain way or, or say things, but that doesn't have to affect you and who you are in life, you know. So I try and from a very young age, I'm trying to live her that self-confidence so that when she does start encountering things like that, you know, she, she knows how to handle them. She's got the healthy, healthy tools, you know, and how, hopefully. Absolutely. <laughs> hopefully, I'm hopefully Absolutely. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I think that sounds perfect. That sounds absolutely yeah. perfect. Good for you. Yeah. I had, um, but I do want to say I had uh, a situation recently, you know, Freya in this last like year has been really uncomfortable talking about 
having Prader-Willi syndrome. You know, I've, mm-hmm. I've spoken with her class about it before and she was a little nervous, but um, she was okay. But uh, she's been pretty against, you know, she's kind of like, I don't want it. I don't want to be different, yeah. you know, to yeah. tears. And so that's been really hard. And it was the poetry festival here last week. And I took them to the uh, social justice open mic and because I wanted them to see me perform and it was like a good time. Anyway, there was there's a, a local woman who has cerebral palsy and she is in a wheelchair and, um, you know, has significant like movement mobility issues. And uh, she got up and did a poem and Freya was captivated. And I mean you know, we all were, we were, you know, we were all very respectful and it was really powerful mm-hmm. what she was saying and um, really intense. And when we left, Freya brought it up and she was, you know, asking me about her, like, you know, what is, what's her story kind of thing. And I was talking about cerebral palsy and, you know, my um, Freya's cousin has that. And she said, you know, she made a connection of like, oh, so like it happened, it's like from birth, like me. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah. And and isn't that amazing that, you know, that she can hold a room like that. And I could see like Freya was smiling, you know, for mm-hmm. the first, like think talking about being, you know, quote unquote different or whatever, you know, but like really seeing that in this other person. And, and I could see that it like, it was, she was glowing and like made her just gave her a different perspective. And it was what? so beautiful to see that, you know, she got to see this woman just really in this powerful moment in this powerful situation and you know two days later Freya brought it up again because I was going to another poetry event and she said is that woman going to be there and I said oh, I don't know and she said yeah she she had that poem and she talked about Freya said being in a bucket but it was the woman was talking about being up a, a tree in a pot and everybody else okay. was you know in the forest but like Freya is somebody she can read a paragraph and then you ask her what was that about and she can't tell you but right. like she connected with this poem and two days later was able to to bring up, you know, an image from the poem. And I was just like, wow, I love that so much. Like she just really connected to that and to that right. woman. And it's just for me, it was an example of how important, you know, that's what they say. Representation is important, you know, and so for so many yeah. You know, we all want to be represented and how we, you know, identify how we see ourselves. And then if we can connect with somebody and we see them in this position where they're just being powerful and people are listening and it was really cool. I really loved it. So I think um, back to what you tell your daughter, I think it's so important because that internal dialogue is so important. And when your mother is telling you that from a young age, you're going to believe it. So. Yeah. When I drop off to school, I'm like, and don't forget, she's like, yeah, yeah, I'm perfect just the way I am. <laughs> I love it. That's too funny. But I mean, you know, I, I, I like to think that I'm in control of all of this, but I know I'm not. You know, I'm not going to ever be in control of all the situations. I often wonder, you know, is she going to be able to function on her own? You know, is she going to be able to live on her own? Like, I worry about her being, having someone taking advantage of her. Like, that's, like, scary to me, you know, because people prey on people mm. like that, you know. But, you know, I just try to be mindful, you know, these children are a gift and they're not ours, you know. They just come into our lives and, you know, we get to enjoy who they are and how they are. 
and try not to focus on the what society says. Does the society know anyway? Do we really know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't we think like so. Think we know. <laughs> yeah, we like to think we know. I think, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think society has a very rigid way of looking at what is typical. And so a lot of people fall outside that. And I think that's a wrong, the wrong way to go about it. Yeah. Um, I did have one more question, but um, I don't know it's funny because you kind of actually asked me this. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's okay. I mean, I would just, you know, do you have, you know, uh, like if <clears throat> when you're having a rough day, um, is there something that you do you have like a go to um, mantra or action or something that really helps you get past the, the bad? Yeah, thing? well, you know, I used to drink a lot, <laughs> as you know, <laughs> and that's how I coped for a long time, but it became a very unhealthy coping mechanism. Uh, so I just, you know, one day I was like, I can't do this, you know, like this is not working. It's not healthy. I wasn't mentally healthy. Um, and I really got into the meditation, um, self-care, uh, journaling. Journaling really helped me a lot. Um, and through meditation, you know, I, I learned, I connected to your higher self. You know, there's just something about that that really separates your thoughts from being just being in life, you know. So having that aha moment of that I am not my feelings, um, they are just there, you know, like your feelings are not a bad thing. However, that can definitely, uh, that negative thinking, I get in that in that mode and um, just being able to connect with my inner self, um, I've been able to really notice when I'm like dysregulated emotionally um so like really really like um being the watcher of my thoughts has really helped me um I can actually now stop and look at how I'm feeling why I'm feeling this way and when I get stuck in those negative thought patterns I tell myself I'm not my thoughts you know like these thoughts are are here but this doesn't define what my life is and how I have to go through life so that's um definitely that like I used to be like that's just hippie shit those <laughs> 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 people I don't know are they quack <laughs> maybe but here I am that quack but no I mean that it's it's just that's really helped my mental health is becoming very honest with myself and understanding that you can't you have control over where you let your mind go especially dealing with this with this whole situation with my daughter like I'm thankful you know I'm not like that all the time <laughs> at my moment but yeah but yeah that. you know just just giving myself that grace you know loving myself unconditionally telling myself you know like I'm worthy of everything in my life and including my daughter with 22 disabilities it is what it is I can either be miserable and be stuck in those thoughts like I was for a long time or I can embrace it and just you know let that shit go